servant leader, rector, reverend, deacon, elder, what the hell? So Ethan, how are, I know we're not supposed to ask, but how are things going with your dissertation? Things are fine. I like so obviously I haven't started writing it yet. I'm not technically allowed to, because I haven't passed my my dissertation prospectus or my uh, comps yet. Oh, but but every yeah, that's how it works actually. Um, now they they nobody's like policing my work my stuff, so I could write it. I could start writing it, but that would be kind of silly. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about it. I had a meeting with Paul, my advisor. Um to talk about a paper for the Schleiermacher Tillich class I'm taking him, you know, with. Um, and then that spiraled into a conversation about dissertation. By the way, Tillich and Schleiermacher going pretty well. Um, Tillich is so interesting. He he really is. Like, he's worth reading. I know that there are some Tillichators out there, and I understand why there are Tillichators. Rick Elgendi, not a big Tillich fan. Um, why is Rick a Tillich fan? So I think that there's some different things. I'm not going to speak for him, Rick. We'd love to have you on that you can so you can talk about that. Yeah. But um, but so I won't say why why Rick doesn't like him because he and I haven't talked about it. But some reasons why people don't like him now are are Tillich sort of has a uh, a Tillich like many theologians at his time is terrible when it comes to women, just awful. Yeah. Um. And and I'm not here to excuse him for that. It's there's really no excuse. Um, but he is relatively typical of his time period when it comes to when it comes to the ladies. Um, uh, the other thing is, and I I have heard from people that his definition of religion is frustrating because it is um, very broad. Uh, it's broad <laughs> while at the same time being very Protestant. And so, like, Talikians, um are are sort of at a disadvantage in certain circles where they, they kind of have to defend this definition that a lot of religious studies folks uh, want, it, want to contend. Um, because Tillich is sort of, on one hand, this systematic theologian, and on the other hand, he's this sort of theorist of religion, um, uh, which, which, gets, which gets complicated. But uh, but I love reading Tillich. I actually find his work um, to be really frenetic and really kind of interesting. And, and I was describing it to Paul as like this this edifice. You know, Tillich's work is like this sort of ornate piece of architecture. And the problem, th- th- it's not really a problem, but the problem for me is I'm not really able to take a piece here or there out of it. Uh, you know, you sort of have to go all in. Like, like one thing very easily leads to the next thing. And so to be like, oh, I really like this. I really want to do something with this also kind of means you have to do like everything with it. You know, like, like Tillich's theology of symbols is really rich. It's this really dynamic, easily misunderstood. But like, if you stick with it, like you, you, I think that there's really something to it. You know, it's symbols participate in the power of which they signify, you know, and, and, and they're living things. They, they live and die based on, you know, history and time and, and, 
things like this. And so when, when Tillich calls Christ a symbol, you know, Tillich doesn't mean that Christ is a picture or a, or merely a symbol, right? Like for Tillich, nothing is merely a symbol, you know, a, a symbol no. is, is alive, you know, and, 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 and Christ is this symbol of the divine and all this different stuff. And, and it's good and interesting and, and it's not perfect, but like, but the problem is, is like Tillich's theology of symbols only really works if you understand Tillich's entire ontological project. And, and if you don't like Tillich's ontological project, you sort of can't, no matter how much you like his theology of symbols, you kind of have to do violence to it in order to like adopt it. Like it just doesn't fit. It's not modular, but it's pretty. Whereas Schleiermacher um, is in some sense, a plain square house, but everything is modular. And so that is a poor way of putting it. Cause Schleiermacher is just, the Schleiermacher is just a dense writer in a way Tillich is not quite the same. And so it's hard to, it's harder to read Schleiermacher. Um, but Schleiermacher's work is like, and as I was saying to Paul, I was like, wow, I just, there's so much, there's so many pieces to Schleiermacher that like can be taken here or there and done different things to, right? Like, you know, and then I'm reminded that like, this is like, early 19th century stuff like and he's working with ideas that i find so modern and so like contemporary um you know he's so anti-metaphysical schleiermacher is and so as a result he leans on these social and biological metaphors you know rather than talking about human nature he he has a social view of sin that's rooted in society and biology. Oh. You know, he's like he's like, yeah, basically he's like, I don't believe in witchcraft, so I'm not going to sit around and try to talk about human nature, you know. <laughs> like he's like human nature, as Athanasius put it, is he's like, I don't know how we can imagine that that's real what i do believe in is the fact that is family systems and the state and society and so is original sin a thing sure because it's rooted in family systems man i i'm so upset because like that is actually my my like sneaky i would never put it on boom paperwork but like that's my idea of original sin is that like somewhere back in the way one of our ancestors heard another ancestor and we've just been carrying it it's frustrating because schleiermacher like is like writing about this in like 19 like 1820 yeah and, I, and i'm like what the hell you know, and so and so he's got this moment in the book. This is what I was thinking of. This is a side thing for my dissertation thing, and I apologize. But like he, he differentiates between original sin and actual sin. This is sort of a Schleiermachian move where where he wants to talk about how original sin from like the historical Christian perspective is this sort of um, basic, uh, you know, it's like what we imagine it to be. The, the sort of basic in in the water uh you know bad stuff right like the stuff human beings can't get around the the state of sin the living in sin right of 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 a human being and then actual sin is sort of like ah i have just sinned right like like i have committed a sin would be an actual sin and then original sin is like 
I am, I am living in sin. I'm drenched in sin. Sin sort of permeates human life, right? And he has yeah. this sort of a, amazing moment where he just sort of says, now, all what original sin is, is just the actual sin of our ancestors. Okay. And, and so, and so one generation's actual sin is the next generation's original sin. Oh, hmm. Um, and so on and so on and so on. And, uh, and then, which, which, you know, I think is um, clever. I don't think it's, I think it's a lot of contemporary folks are willing to say that, but for Schleiermacher to say that in like 1820 is crazy. Like, yeah. like, like, wow, that's, that's just fascinating. But then he says, however, this, this mechanism, this same mechanism that makes it possible to pass sin along is the mechanism that makes the salvation of Jesus Christ possible because it's the interconnected reality of the race. Hmm. And so, and so Christ's redemption is racially universal is, 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 is universal from a human perspective because the same mechanism that makes sin universal is hijacked by Christ to make salvation universal. Hmm. And so it's like a reverse polarity. Um, Interesting. And so as sin spreads, Christ uses the sort of spreading, the, the, the potential of spreading in the interconnected reality. Because that's how he talks about it. the interconnected reality, is what Schleiermacher keeps saying. Interconnected reality of creation. Um, which he sees is pretty obviously true from both biology and, and sociology. Like he sees that obviously true. Obviously human beings are connected socially, but obviously human beings are connected biologically, like, like, you know, in these different webs. And it's the same with all of creation. And Christ uh, uses that. Christ as a being in history is a part of these webs and then sort of moves back. The, the salvation of Christ is, is, it um, uh, travels along the same kind of interconnected highways. And so history history starts with Adam, we might say, although Schleimacher's like, obviously Adam is a metaphor, but that's fine. You know, like, like history starts with Adam and moves towards the person of Christ. And when we arrive at the person of Christ in history, that is the, the point in which God redeems history by then sort of moving back backwards along those same webs um and then forward from the same webs that's why that's why uh Schleiermacher likes the second adam metaphor yeah um, for that reason like and so in the so christ so how does christ arrive well Schleiermacher's like well it's actually perfectly natural christ arrives the same way we all arrive because he's a human being uh and and it needs to be that way because otherwise, salvation would be impossible. If Christ sort of came by magic, then that he would not be within the the web of human connectivity to allow for salvation to take place. Yeah. Um, I'm like, wow. So that's just a fun thing that I'm reading about in Schleiermacher. But like the paper I'm going to end up writing about for that class is... Schleiermacher, um, 
begins the the Christian faith, like his big dogmatic work, by talking about um, this sort of triple epistemology of uh, knowing, doing, and feeling. Um, and so, uh, for for Ma- for 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 Mocker, Mocker would say, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, a properly calibrated Christian theology is always calibrated towards piety. Uh, which means it's always calibrated firstly towards feeling and intuition um, because religion is not primarily Christian religion. Makaru just says religion, but Christian religion is not primarily uh, calibrated towards knowing and it's not primarily calibrated towards doing. Um, those things are not, are not sort of primary. They don't because they they're not, they're not, the wellspring of piety. Hmm. Um, those two things are important. It's not that they're not important, but they don't, but, but piety, the, the, the sort of um, uh, honoring, Schleiermacher doesn't quite use this definition. I'm borrowing this definition from something else. The honoring of our sources of existence um, uh, doesn't, Macher would argue, doesn't come directly from belief and it doesn't come directly from doing it comes from this more holistic kind of um um other form of existence which is this feeling affective kind of kind of mode that seems and very wesleyan to me i know okay good I'm glad that's my not pulling that out of air. that's my point like like i'm reading this and i'm like jesus christ this is just Wesley's almost Christian uh, sermon. Like this is, this is like a deeply Wesleyan thing. This is orthodoxy, orthopraxy and orthopathy. And, uh, and so why is it that we have never had a Wesleyan theology professor who liked Schleiermacher? I know. Like what the hell is going on? I said that to Paul and Paul's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, every Wesleyan, like, like Methodist systematic theology professor I had was a Bartian. Yeah. And, we didn't and, read a piece of Schleiermacher in seminary. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it, and I'm like, this is like, obviously like way more conducive to a Wesleyan framework. And, and I said that to Paul and Paul's like, well, then why are you, why, why are you Wesleyan? Just be reformed then. If, <laughs> if you're just going to lean on Bart, like, like that doesn't make yeah. any sense. And so, and so I told him about this orthopathy thing and, and I'm, and he's like, he's like, right about that, right, right about Wesley and Schleiermacher, you know, and, and, and because my other problem, here's my second thing I'll talk about with that is Schleiermacher then I think makes a move later in the, in the Christian faith that I think is a bad move. I think it makes sense. I just think it's a bad move. He then like moves away from this feeling language when he starts talking about God consciousness and so, like, I hate the term God consciousness. It's a very Schleiermachian term. That's just sort of his way of talking about, like, like, like justification, ultimately. Like, God consciousness oh. is sort of his way of talking about justification. And so Christ is, is the son because the human Christ has the clearest God consciousness. Um, oh, and and uh, and so there's some weirdness there, but I just I just think God consciousness as a term is so easily misunderstood. Like like it, it's just it's just I think a bad term. 
But what frustrates me about this term is like he then frames sin as primarily a kind of a a a, a distortion of a blocking of a a uh, um, a faulty knowledge of God consciousness. Yeah, that like I I assume that's where this was going, and I dislike that extremely. Yeah, yeah. It's not that it's bad. It's but but like the the feeling stuff is way more interesting. Yeah. And that's sort of what I what I ended up saying to Paul. I'm like, I just I just don't know why he gets away from that because because Schleiermacher's definition of God is the whence of our absolute dependence, and and like basically his his entire definition of religion is the feeling of absolute of absolute dependence. And mm-hmm. so God, God is, you know, it's sort of a broad definition, but like, but it's all based in dependence and feeling, which, which I think on one hand, I just think is more interesting. On the other hand, um, it's actually more inclusive. Hmm. And that's sort of what I said to, to Paul. I was like, there's a reason why Wesley has a startlingly robust doctrine of um, uh, um, like, uh, of like disability theology. Like there's a reason why Wesley sort of has this really interesting notion of how baptism uh, uh, inculcates justification to like folks with special needs or folks who cannot answer for themselves. And it's primarily because Wesley conceives of faith as this experiential feeling thing. Mm -hmm. And so for Wesley, knowing God in the sort of intellectual way is not it's not that it's not good. It's just not the thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sin is actually, we might say, or I might argue in this paper, sin might be better understood as wrong pathy, like, like a poor orthopathy, you know, false feeling <laughs> in, in, yeah. in, in, in now incorrect feeling, a poorly ordered feeling, distorted feeling. Right. Um, and I think that, that that would be way more interesting if Mocker just adopted it wholesale. But he goes with God consciousness. And so he has to he has to kind of make that work. Uh, the other thing is, like, if 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 you made God consciousness a feeling centric thing in Mocker, then like he can easily get around. G- like, I don't want to say you need to get around it, but you can make sense of Jesus's um, growing in knowledge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because who cares? You know, knowledge isn't the pro isn't what's most important. Like like that, of course, Jesus grows in knowledge. He's a human being, you know, but but like if God consciousness is rooted in this feeling element, then then we can just point to the what what makes Jesus sort of clear, you know, what makes his what makes his um, God feeling. We might we might invent a bad term. Um good is that is that the the feeling of absolute dependence is so full it's so unclouded it's so rightly ordered that 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 is what inculcates his role as the son right like that's what makes his him the son of god and not he he is conscious you know his is it's all because i that that puts it back to like this knowledge element i think um, yeah, and, and I think the the knowledge element is where a lot of people stumble. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and I honestly think that it's probably easier to argue that Jesus's feelings are all in the right place. And and I think that makes faith a lot more approachable for people. Um, I think that really helps in um, who I was going to say a, something that was going to be akin to evangelizing. But, but I think that like, that's something that um, people our age who aren't Christians could find like much more acceptable than than things um yeah cuz you're it's it is much more holistic it's a lie um it's it's less you need to completely understand uh the trinity or the virgin birth or whatever and accept that as completely true and much more like listen if your if your heart is it longing for the right things then like then we can do some work here um yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, but I also really see how Shalaya Mocker's God consciousness could be something that people just, you know, took up in the seventies. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Like, like, I don't think the God consciousness thing is bad. I don't like it. Like, uh, and the real reason I don't like it is because man, it, it, the, the term itself doesn't quite get at what he means. Right. Like, like God consciousness. Ah, yes. I'm, my brain is so connected to God. Like, like it's no, the galaxy it's, brain thing. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've become a galaxy brain. It's more that, you know, it's it, it's really just Schleiermacher's understanding of justification. Like Schleiermacher is just a good Protestant. Like he's he's trying to talk about justification in this in this different way. He basically Macher's trying not to use church language. You know, that's exactly what I was going to say. And I, and I wonder why we all have such an aversion to using church language when we're writing theology. Right, right. Uh, particularly when I just, I, once again, and I said this to Paul, I was like, I just don't like it because, come on, it invites misunderstanding. Yeah. It, it invites it. it. It's not clear. Like, it is clear in that if we are reading, Schleiermacher tells us what he means. But, mm -hmm. but why not just have a better term? That, that maybe gets at better about what you mean. Why don't you just go with justification? And and yeah, like only insiders understand that. And and that's really what Schleiermacher is getting at. Schleiermacher is writing at a time when there are increasingly more outsiders. Right. And so, so that's part of why where Schleiermacher is going with this. But um, no, I, I just, and, and I am, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated that, that on one hand, he is a chore to read. And on the other hand, uh, it's actually really, really good. Like it's actually really interesting. Like I'm like, wow, this this really is interesting. It's 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 um, thoughtful and quite brilliant um, at times, um, and very. Uh, Bart Bart always claimed that Schleiermacher was just talking about human beings loudly. Huh. Like like he's always he's always just like yeah, Schleiermacher's theology is just anthropology screaming at the top of your lungs you know like like feelings and and <laughs> and and all of this stuff and it's quite self-evidently true that that bart did not understand what he was reading um because that's obviously not true hmm. it sounds weird to say i just i just think that people just maybe they just don't reach Lyremacher. Like, like that has to be it. Like he's hard to read. Don't get me wrong. Like, like he's tough to read. If I did not have Paul Jones guiding us through this, we would easily maybe misunderstand lots of things, but like, but Schleiermacher is absolutely theocentric. Like he's absolutely Christocentric. Like 
like that it's just that for Schleiermacher and this leads me to the to my dissertation and I'm sorry I babbled about this it's just <laughs> that for Schleiermacher Schleiermacher prioritizes piety and sanctification mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a way that Bart does not and and that's sort of where I'm going with this and so like I've been talking to you and to Paul about need, like need has been like a thing that I'm really interested in. I've been talking Mm -hmm. about Dorothy Zola and Peter Taylor Forsyth and different stuff. And, and in the midst of me talking about this, this paper with Paul, the Wesley and Schleiermacher ortho orthopathy paper that I'm going to probably write about. Paul was like, Ethan, I finally get it. I finally get it from talking with you and getting to know you and having Bart class with you and now Schleiermacher class with you, you believe, you believe that any theology that does not center sanctification has already catastrophically got it wrong. That sounds right. That sounds exactly like what you believe. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I'm like, I'm like, my God, you're right. That is true. That is what I think. And he's like, okay, that's your dissertation. Doing doing theology, how to craft a theology that's that centers sanctification first. And he's like he's like Wesley Schleiermacher, Forsyth, Zola. Okay, okay. And uh and so I'm like, huh. And he's like he's like, hit hit each of them um with that lens. If we were to say sanctification is is central to Christian theology, what can we learn from these four thinkers who, who may already do that, but even if they don't, if you apply that lens to them, what comes up? And, mm. uh, and, 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 and he's like, he, he's like, I'm not a Wesley guy. What comes up? The first thing you think about when you apply that to Wesley. And I, and I look at him and I'm like, spiritual respiration. Mm. So the new birth. And and he's like, and I'm like, well, for Schleiermacher, it's, uh, uh, the you know orthopathy, um, and and the interconnected reality of creation. Uh, for Forsyth, it's this ontology of holiness, you know, in 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 which the world is, in which the moral is the real, and and holiness is meant to pervade the world, right? And and God God as the the holy one is meant to dwell in the world. Forsyth has this frustrating moment in that book I told you about a few weeks ago about socialism and the poor and the church where Forsyth says, um, Forsyth says, uh, uh, remember the goal is actually not to craft a society that God can dwell in. The goal is for, is, is for God to come so that society can dwell in God. Hmm. And and it's a frustrating moment because I don't exactly know what he means, <laughs> but yeah. but it strikes me as uh, very very true from this sort of holiness and and the holiness is is sort of the scaffolding for creation in foresight, you know, and mm-hmm. then and then for Dorothy Zola, it's uh, um, penultimate liberation and ultimate redemption. Hmm. And so for Zola, there's this sense in which liberation is, is because she's a liberation thinker, like liberation is necessary as the penultimate because the ultimate is um, 
like in Christ the representative, uh, all divisions fall away. And, and it's, and it's the human and the human being comes before the presence of God and God comes before the presence of the human being. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I'm uh, sorry. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to follow. There's a lot. There's a lot there. I know I'm throwing a shit ton out at you. Huh. Okay. I, I like, I, I, I follow it. I believe you. <laughs> right. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, part of this, um, part of what makes me wonder, well, one, again, like how does this connect back to public theology, but right. two, like people don't take Wesley very seriously. <laughs> and so sure. I don't, I like, I, I, and I know that like you and Paul have talked about all of this, but it seems like you've got, Schleiermacher and a couple of other people that nobody really listens to. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. This is uh, this would be strange, <laughs> but we will see. Like I'm going to keep talking to Paul about that, uh, and and be like, is this good enough? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Schleiermacher uh, makes it makes it good enough, and I think Zola makes it good enough. Um, okay. Because I think that Schleiermacher is. He's still he's still Schleiermacher, even though Bartians hate him. He's still, you know, a major systematic theology guy. And I think Zola is well respected amongst theologians, even if she's not widely read because of Moltmann supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll coin that. I'll write a book called Moltmann supremacy <laughs> just to piss off Moltmann bros. God, and they, um, they're real they're there and, and they're there um <laughs> uh but and so i think that the rest is you know kind of kind of funky kind of kind of different but we'll see i don't know like i'm i'm i am interested i think paul is dead right about me though mm-hmm. like if sanctification is not prioritized it's not it's not that you disagree because he's like because he's like sanctification is not prioritized in Bart and you like Bart fine. I'm like, yeah, I like Bart fine. I appreciate what he's doing. Um, But Paul's like, but you ultimately think that Bart catastrophically fails. And I'm like, yeah, I do actually. Like I do kind of think he just sort of fails. He's like, I go, yeah, this doesn't actually inculcate holiness in the human being. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. who cares? You know, like this is all great. And I'm sure people do read Bart and become better people. Like, I'm sure that's fine, but that's not like what Bart's going for. Right. You know, Bart's just like, it doesn't matter if you're good. I mean, of course he, he doesn't want you to be an asshole, but like, it doesn't matter if you're good. What matters is that you're right. What matters is that this is the brute reality of, of the truth. And that truth is really interesting. Bart says and does a lot of beautiful and interesting things. But but like being good is very secondary. Being holy is very secondary. And I, I also think that connects really. Um, I asked about the public theology piece of it, but I think like I also think that sanctification is the key. And and I feel like all of my life and all of the education that I've got, we've gotten to justification, and that's the key part. And then sanctification is like, and then you live the rest of your life as a Christian. <laughs> but like we need instruction about that. Uh, there's a reason why ordinary time is such a big chunk of the Christian calendar. Cause you can only tell the story so many times before you tell us how to live out the story. But, but like, I think you're right. I think that like having the right ideas, I, I guess is nice, but that's not going to, that's not going to shape our world. That's not going to, um, 
that's not going to show us how to like live out our days as people who are like who have dual citizenship in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this world like yeah yeah i think I, yeah, I think that's right. I, like, I'm coming to that realization for myself right now because I've always thought that sanctification was important, but I couldn't, um, but it was just like a thought that I had, but I'm like a picture is forming in my mind of like how we live together is actually really key. And I also mm. think that like, I also think again that people of our generation think that how we live together is really key. That like individualism has carried us to our current hellscape and we need to rethink how we how we handle these things. Right. Right. And I think that um, I, I, I agree with you. Like, I think that's really where the public theology side of it lies, you know, and and how I sort of envisioning this now is, you know, the last like chapter is sort of this constructive chapter where okay. I where I go, OK you know, what, what, what have we learned from these four thinkers? Um, and how then can I offer a, a construct? Like, well, I mean, what we learned from Peter Taylor Forsyth is this sort of theocentric Trinitarian need and satisfaction dynamic in creation and in God. What we learned from Schleiermacher is the interconnectedness of that dynamic that that these things are all connected you know via the way in which human beings work and creation operates and what we learn from wesley is this sort of need for for a fundamental regeneration and a, a change a, you know by way of the spiritual respiration of god you know in in the midst of this you know uh um interconnected reality and what we learn from zola is is the way in which then this sort of plays out politically you know it plays out politically via liberation and resistance and things like that hmm. but it but all towards the sort of ultimate goal of full holy the, the full inculcation of holiness in creation as it is in god you know the full communion um, maybe, I don't know. What I'm saying is, is that it's exciting to me. Um, yeah. it's exciting to kind of have this sense of, yeah, it really is just about sanctification. Like, like that is really what I care about. And, you know, I, I, I need and powers and all of this stuff work under this banner of, it's really about sanctification guys. Like, and, and unless it's, unless that's prioritized, we sort of miss something key, you know, the crucified God is lovely, I suppose, but um, none of that really matters unless um, the world has become good. Otherwise, it's just sort of a, a funny, a fun story we tell ourselves to get us through the day, right? Yeah. Well, God suffers and that makes me feel better. Yeah, that's that's fine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but like, does it also make us? Does it make the world not so shitty? <laughs> right. Does it question. make us more compassionate? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's good. I also think it's interesting that um, that like looking at these people and talking about sanctification, you can do this without like having to go down a deep pneumatological hole. It feels like to me. Um, cause I think 
I think when I think about sanctification, I think about the work of the Holy Spirit. And then that like leads me into, into a very different direction than what you're doing with this. And Mm. I also think that like any pneumatology, you just end up talking about Pentecostalism um, as like the, the modern expression of it. Like I don't, I, I think that, um, I think you'd end up in a different corner than where you want to be. Um, so like, yeah, I'd be interested to see, like, this is very Christocentric and, and I think that's fine. Um, but I'd be interested to see like how it's applicable if we're looking at it with a pneumatological lens, but I don't think you need to do that. (laughs) Yeah. But I'd still be really interested in that. I think I need to see exactly how Schleiermacher does that. Like we're not Mm -hmm. quite there yet, but I, I bet that would help me because, uh, I think that uh, like Zola, Zola has something of a Christological lens, but really in her more mature theology, it uh, everything is sort of subsumed into the Holy Spirit. God sort of acts like how we understand the Holy Spirit acts. And so there's already a sort of a, a, a an embedded pneumatology in Zola. And then obviously mm-hmm. Wesley has a strong pneumatology. It's my right. favorite thing I've ever learned from josiah young you know it's like my favorite throwaway line he gave us one time in bonhoeffer class bonhoeffer like pretty much everybody on the west has a terrible and impoverished pneumatology well except for wesley right (laughs) and i'm like fuck yeah yeah i do love it i feel like i do feel like there's a little win every time i think about that yeah (laughs) hmm well this all seems this all seems really interesting um I and I'm also like you talked about Tillich a little bit at the beginning. Our uh, our most listened to episode, at least according to Anchor, is the the one that I titled Tillich Tales. Like it's you and Nick talking about Tillich. Cool. <laughs> so like maybe we should just start dropping that more often, and yeah, then we'll we get followers be... from around the globe. <laughs> a Tillich podcast. <laughs> oh God, I don't think I could. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Oh my. Well, this is good. I will I will sign us off. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. Friends, thanks for listening. This has been a mini-sode of What the Hell is a Pastor? We are Spanx Reebok and the Dude, and we will see you next time. What the Hell is a Pastor? is a part of the Disruptive Disciples Podcast Network. Our theme song is written by Joe Schomel, performed by Joe Schomolf, Ian Oriola, and Paul Oriola, and produced by Paul Oriola. Email us at wtheckisapastor at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash disruptivedisciples, on Twitter at wthisapastor, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash wthiap, where you can get access to pillow talk, signed cards, episode suggestions, and some other things. Thanks for listening. And remember, friends, Ethan owes me all the money in his wallet.